in three, two, one. John, are we live? We're live, sir. What's going on, buddy? Not too much, my man. How are you today? I'm good. It feels like it's been months since I last saw you. I know. I know the holidays. We yeah. don't. Uh, we don't get to hang out. I know. I missed you. What's going on? <laughs> See, you already forgot. You got to turn your phone. Down. I know. I, I've forgotten about how all this technology works. Um, any shout-outs from you? Yeah, as soon as I can Shut your figure that off. out. There we go. All right. Uh, shout-outs for me. Yeah, sure. Um, my Aunt Marla is having catar cataract surgery. And uh, last report from my mom, everything is going great. And just a big shout-out to her. Hope that uh, her day is fantastic. Also, doing a little Juice RX here. Yeah. I Shout out to you for bringing it to me and also to Juice RX. They are, uh, of course, our friends, but also tasty. And I got, uh, I'm s I think you're trying to tell me something because you got me brain boost. Yeah, it didn't <laughs> apparently help because you left your phone on. I know, exactly. Um, but just a shout out to them because it's tasty and delicious and yum. Yeah, I needed kind of a health kick because uh, our guests don't know this, I don't think. I didn't tell them. I had shoulder surgery recently. And I've just gotten way out of shape, and I got some meals, and I won't, um, I won't say from where because they were awful. So <laughs> I, uh, I ended up getting some meals; they were terrible. And then I uh, said, you know what? I'm going to stop by Juice RX and grab some juices, and they are tasty. They and are I'm excited for today's show because we have tasty food in here as well that also looks really, really good. So I'm, I'm glad we got a healthy entrepreneur it, show today. It's a tasty kind of day here at AE Wheelhouse. Um, no shout outs for me. Uh, so I don't have one today. John always Aww. one ups my shout outs. So I, I, it's, your aunt's having surgery. I can't one up you anyway. So <laughs> I hope, I hope she uh, has a great surgery and everything goes according to plan. According to plan. Yeah, me too. Cool. I'm going to jump right in. Cause I think just by chatting with the two of our guests before air, I think we're going to breeze through an hour. So I want to get to their story as well as taste all the stuff that we have in studio. People can't see it yet. Um, I'm going to go with Michelle Francis first. She's here with her husband, Corey Weiner. Uh, they own Zen Suite. I'm not going to tell everybody what Zen Suite is, because I'm going to let Michelle do it. Michelle, tell us what, what Zen Suite is, and thanks for being uh, on Wheelhouse. Thanks for having us. We're real excited to be here. It's actually our first podcast slash netcast ever. Wow. Which is wow. pretty cool. I know. You'd think we'd be famous by now. <laughs> How's the experience so far in like three minutes? Pretty so far, cool. So I mean, Corey, like I said, is an audio engineer by trade, so... I think he's kind of like secretly geeking out inside, oh, like awesome. all these microphones and video, you know, it's really cool for him. So, so I'm living vicariously. Through if that everything energy. goes out, he can help John put it back Yeah, together. I need it. Yes. <laughs> I need, yes, I think. I'm very much at home here. Right. <laughs> I get anxiety in studios like this. I mean, even being around here, like when John's messing around with like people on air can't see or watching can't see this, but there's wires and crap all over the studio and it gives yes. me anxiety. That's how I feel about technology. Me too. But... I'm happy to be here talking about our business yeah. because that yes. is what I'm passionate about. So tell me, tell me what Zen Suite is. So the Zen Suite company was started a few years ago out of a need to eat healthier in a delicious way. We needed to take sugar out of our own diet, out of our kids' diet. We had a bunch of friends and their children, all sorts of people asking me, hey, we have a birthday party coming up. Can you bring a cake? oh, by the way, can it be gluten-free and grain-free and have no yeast and have no sugar? And it's like, okay, well, what am I going to make this cake out of? Like, you know? So I went to work researching, and this was 
before kids, actually. So I would call up big companies and say, you know, I'm the R&D department from... Oh, that's awesome. Zen Suite Company or our old company of Habit Foods. And I just had a few questions about this, that, and they would give me tons of answers. And so I'd you know, write down all my notes and ask for samples and tons of trial and error. I mean, probably about a year's worth of tinkering with formulation because I am not a food scientist. So it was a lot of just tenacity and getting in there, getting in the kitchen and doing it. About a year, and we created our first product, which is a monk fruit-based sweetener. It tastes just like sugar, but it's healthy. There's no calories. There's no glycemic index. So it's safe for people living with diabetes. Um, it's great for kids when you want to cut back their sugar. It's uh, keto-friendly, paleo-friendly, all the great things people are looking for these days. But it tastes amazing. That is the biggest thing. It tastes really good. I think that's the hard part for me is almost everything that's healthy it, it, that I've had. This might be fantastic. Almost everything just ends up not being as tasty. So that mm -hmm. finding that balance of healthy and tasty must have been really hard. And it's cool that the big companies actually were speaking to you and giving you advice. I would have expected they would have like kind of kept that to their chest a bit. Yeah. I mean, I think it's too like what kind of questions you ask and how much you get in there and you know, yeah. I mean, they always say you're asking the right questions. Yeah, They say too, like pretend like you're a student or you're what, you know, if you yeah. call and you pretend, Hey, I'm calling from university, whatever. Oh, they'll just pour it out for you. Cause it's in, you know, research and science and it, all that. So were the two of you passionate about cooking and baking before this? Yeah. I mean, okay. Corey grew up in a food family. I definitely grew up in a food family. My dad owned a restaurant for a little while. Um, before kids, he left that, but he was in food service for 50 years. He worked for um, the Compass Group, which is like the second, maybe the first largest food service provider in the world now. So I grew up in kitchens and I mean, I grew up cooking and that's basically how I figured everything out. Just now, did the two on. of you have a lot of trial and error, a lot of tasting stuff that was oh, yeah. so, I have so. a lot of experience <laughs> tasting um, really bad trials and I guess really yeah. good trials at that. But yeah, I, I was in the kitchen helping Michelle, helping compile a lot of the information. She is definitely the creatrix. She could take, she could take ingredients in the kitchen and just make something out of them. It's really quite remarkable. She does never needs a recipe. Um, she'll look at recipes for kind of to get inspiration, but she could really just take things and make something out of it. That is a real skill set. I was actually just talking about this over Thanksgiving. My grandma, who's not with us anymore, she was like that. And she could just look at something and be like, I'm gonna make that and it was great. I can only make something tasty if I am exactly following a recipe. And I love cooking, but I just don't have that skill set. And I think that is a, a, a serious skill set, almost like an artist. I mean, you have to have that in you. Otherwise, you know, that's not something you can learn. Mm -hmm. so it definitely helps in this line of work because it costs a lot of money to have somebody else develop these recipes for you. I mean, it of is course. crazy. <laughs> so yeah, basically just started it out of wanting to change things to be better for ourselves and our friends and family. And then it just kind of grew from there. The sweetener was our flagship product. It was selling really great um, at Whole Foods Market. We would bring in cookies and cupcakes to demo. And the customer said, oh, well, where can I get the chocolate chip cookie? like well you got to take the sweetener and mix it with your flour and do all the stuff you know but that was basically um what led to creating the baking mix line so and um, we have some of this is this the baking mix line that i'm looking yeah, at mm -hmm. i'm about to touch yeah yeah john i'm gonna hold some of this mm -hmm. up so how did it go from the idea that you the two of you had in the research and development to actually getting into something like a Whole Foods, because I'm going to start, I have little T-Rex arms here, but I'll pull these all around. John, you want me to hold up a 
couple different ones? Yeah, sure. And the cool thing here is, and I, I guess I can read the ingredients in the back. It goes, um, the original has three eggs, one third cup oil, third cup water. The vegan has one tablespoon vinegar, half cup oil, three quarters cup water. What is that? So that you work? can make the vanilla bean cake or cupcakes either original, which ah. would be like traditional like dairy, or a vegan style. So all of the baking mixes you can make either in a traditional sense or a vegan fashion. And the nutrition facts are awesome. And that whole total sugars of zero is amazing. Yeah, when we set out to create the baking mixes, we had in mind they had to be clean ingredients, as few ingredients as possible, simple to make. Like if our five-year-old can make them, yeah. then it's good because then anyone can make them. I mean, people complain to us all the time that they have to cook and bake. And even baking mixes are too difficult for some people. So we really made them as easy as possible. And then obviously taste was a big factor in that as well. And we always say if our kids like it and the grandparents like it, then we'll put it into the market because they have no filters. That's fantastic. Yeah. It's like child, you guys said touched on one thing just a second ago was childlike clarity. I hear that term all the time. I've, mm. I've heard a couple of marketing people say you need childlike clarity with everything you do in business. And you guys hit that. And this is the sweetener, the monk fruit sweetener. It is. Yep. John, I'll hold that up as well. What I really like, and I'm being very honest here, I love your packaging. Uh, I'm kind of one of those guys that I, if I haven't tried something before and I'm about to try it, I just kind of look at the packaging and I'm like, well, does this look like something I would buy? And you have really great packaging. How did you guys come up with the design work for it? Because that's a whole other piece to business. It really is, yeah. Yeah, so we're fortunate enough to, uh, one of our very good friends that we grew up with is a graphic artist. Um, and so he has been kind of working with us since the beginning. Um, and just really throwing ideas back and forth. And we would go to the grocery store together and look at products. We would take images, put it up on the shelf, stand back, see what they look like. Because really when it, for the consumer, especially in the food industry, when they walk down that aisle, 50% of the challenge is getting them to pick your product up. Right. And so the packaging needs to stand out. And granted, it's nice to do what's trendy and what looks good, but if your product looks like everything else on the shelf, right. you're gonna kinda get lost to the companies who are bigger, who can offer deeper discounts, and so you really need to stand out in a different way. Um, and that's probably, what, Michelle, the fifth iteration of the packaging? When we finally got- We to... should have brought our first package ever. That would have really- Probably cool to look back yeah, at Yeah, I mean, it's amazing. Like... Sticker on a bag. Yeah. And yeah, it was pretty horrible, but we didn't really know what we were doing. And you learn a lot going to trade shows, talking to people, doing demos, having industry people give you free advice, saying, well, this is really ugly, so you guys need to go back to the drawing board, or this is really outdated. I think we've had grocery stores tell us our packaging looked like it was from the 80s. <laughs> um, but it's all you learn. And at that point, we weren't printing you know, hundreds of thousands of bags. And so you have to try things and make those mistakes early on, because it can cost you huge if you try and do too much too early. Sure. Yeah. And your backstory, and I know this because we spoke off air about it, but I'll let you guys tell a story about uh, how you started up and how funding happened because it's unique. You didn't go to investors and say, hey, give me a ton of money. And sometimes with those investors comes that whole marketing team that says, hey, this is kind of where we think you should go with packaging. It was grassroots. You guys did it mm -hmm. yourselves. You bootstrapped. So uh, Michelle, tell us how that started and uh, how that's been going. Sure. So, well, it's kind of just been a step-by-step -step process, really. I mean, it's like 
okay, what is the next thing that we absolutely have to do? Okay, that's what we're going to put money into. Um, and it's been a lot of learning and growing. So every step, there's been something we learned. Okay, let's shift that. All right, we're going to put money in. Um, but from the beginning, I mean, really, that's been our technique. It's like we've always done pretty much like the absolute priority being a bootstrapped business, you know? So right now, non-GMO project verification is very popular. Okay, and, what is that? Um, that's what this little label is down here. So okay. basically, it's a third-party organization that combs through all of your ingredients. Um, they even do some DNA strain testing to make sure that there's no genetically modified organisms within any of the ingredients in your product. Okay. So Whole Foods, you know, is really big on that. And I'm a huge proponent of it, obviously, with my kids eating the products and family and friends, and I just care about the yeah. world. Right? <laughs> so um, that was something we wanted forever. Well, our products have been non-GMO since the beginning, but to get that certification, it costs a lot of money. So, you know, decisions like that, just day-to-day -day things like, okay, we need our packaging to look better so that people buy it. It's like you're kind of always driven by sales first sure. and foremost, right? So being bootstrapped, we would just invest in that and then step by step by step as we got little, like a little bit more here, we could, you know, fund this other project or... This year, we've finally been able to contract sales, social media. I mean, this has been an awesome year for us. Good for you guys. Um, which is like a testament to just entrepreneurs in general. Sometimes you have an idea that's a little bit ahead of its time, right? Like when we first started selling Zen Suite, it was actually under a totally different name. It was a terrible name. We had... Um, I should even say the name. No, you have to say it. Yeah, we got to know now. <laughs> I can tell you the name. It's so bad. So our old company was named Habit Foods. Okay. So That's not that. I was expecting... No, the way company, way name's, no, the company okay. name's great. Okay. Habit Foods, right? Okay. We're thinking healthy habits here. Yeah. The sweetener was named Habitol. Okay. Habitol. And we had some like really... Terrible. Go yeah, ahead. It's, it's, yeah. <laughs> like, don't Zen Suite's way better. <laughs> yes, way better. We had some very heavy-hitting advisors that started huge companies. Annie's Homegrown, you know, the Bunny Mac and Cheese yeah. and Classical Pasta and all these huge companies. They're like, the product's great, but the name is terrible. Sounds like a steroid. Yes. Yeah, yeah they yeah. said it sounds like medicine or like a chemical. Yeah. It sounds like something a bodybuilder would take. Yes. And in our head, change the name. in our head, we go Habit Foods, Habitol. Habitol. We're going to cross brand. Everyone's going to know what it is. Yeah. And then we had a slogan, you can have it all with Habitol. So we had the whole thing okay, figured so out. In, in our, our mind. In our and head, it. we're running with it and it's perfect. <laughs> and then that's when you kind of have to rein things back in. And uh, sometimes your initial plan, you get really excited, but it's in your head. Nobody else in the world knows what you're doing. And try it out. Yeah. Try it yeah. out. That's a great Before point. you go print the 100,000 bags because it was a terrible name. It did not sell. The minute we rebranded, things just started taking off. Um, but with that said, you were asking me about bootstrap. Like, I forgot where yeah, I left off because that story well, is so guys, freaking. It just blows my but mind. But there's a cool lesson there because what you guys did was you took the advice of everybody that was giving you advice. Because a lot of entrepreneurs, they do something and they hold it really close to their chest and like, I like the slogan we just made right. and now I'm not going to change it. I'm going to run with it no matter what. But both of you took everybody's advice and changed it for the better. So that's that a good is actually, lesson. I remember what I was going to mention. So yes, we have, and that's learning too, right? I would say probably like the first year we were in business, just like, oh, we got this, we got this, you know? But as you kind of get roughed up a little, yeah. sad to say, like, I better start taking advice or I'm not going to get anywhere, right? So when we were selling Habitol, no one knew what monk fruit was at all. 
Okay. You know, Stevia was out there. It was like, okay, people knew right. what Stevia were, we, or was. We could compare it to Stevia, but the monk fruit tastes nothing like Stevia. It tastes way better. And the way we have it blended, it tastes just like sugar. So we were trying to educate. It was this whole piece of education. We were totally before the market even was ready to be open to it. So it's challenging, you know? It's like you're bootstrapping it, you're trying to make money, you're trying to sell something before people even know they want it. And then it's like, boom, they want it. And it's just, it, the floods, the floodgates kind of open. So you kind of need to be ready. And how, how long between monk fruit and then going to the baking products was their time? Yeah, about two years or so. I think it was about 2015 to 2017, we launched a Kickstarter campaign for the baking mixes. Yeah. But they didn't really launch into the marketplace until last year. Okay. So 2018 was really the big start where we got the four baking mixes out that we wanted. And we kind of started building out the whole line from there. In retail, in retail grocery. Yeah. And the monk fruit, for everybody listening or watching, you can use it in, I'm, I'm looking at the photos. So this is great because the actual packaging shows this. You can use it in coffee, obviously baking. I think to myself, like, I love having just a protein shake and I hate the way protein shakes taste. And I would use artificial sweeteners a lot just to get a little better mm -hmm. taste. Most of them not very healthy, but just make it manageable to be able to have a protein shake every day. Mm -hmm. I can use monk fruit in it. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, you make a kale smoothie, you can throw some zen sweet in there to make it taste better. Actually, like a berry smoothie is yeah, better like for me. Or than strawberry and spinach. Yep. Strawberry and spinach. Yep. You could throw some I have to in always put berry in. To extra sweeten it. Yeah, extra right. sweeten it. Yeah. I love, so I'm not a big coffee guy, but if I have coffee, I have to dump a ton of sugar in it, so then it becomes super unhealthy, and I just don't drink coffee because I'm having just basically... Sugar so we coffee. need to send you a case of Zen Yes. Uh, well, I, I have to get some. Yes, I'm, especially I'm just gonna, in the new year. And you guys are in Whole Foods, which is awesome. Yeah. Where can somebody find Zen Sweet? So if you go into the baking essentials aisle where the sugar and the flour is, you'll find Zen Sweet and our baking mixes on the shelf there. And this past, I think it's only been about three weeks, we actually have Zen Sweet, a monk fruit sweetener in a coffee bar shaker that's at all the coffee bars in the Midwest region of Whole Foods. So you if you guys. get a coffee or a tea, you'll see our shaker bottle up on the counter there. And we're super proud of that because um, there have been much bigger companies that have tried to get into the coffee bars in Whole Foods that haven't been able to get into that space. And Good so that was just sheer tenacity and Michelle, you know, pushing the right buttons and getting to the right people. And they, they took it for a chance and it's going great so far. So we're hoping to expand upon that. Really cool. And because I'm somewhat lazy, I can also <laughs> order on Amazon. Yes, you can, yeah. That is great. What was the time frame from product creation to actually being able to get to vendors like Whole Food and, and retailers like Whole Food and then into Amazon? Yeah, I think right away we started selling. We went to the Schaumburg Whole Foods because we had a bunch of friends that worked for Whole Foods Corporate. I actually um, opened up the Deerfield store in college. So I had some experience with Whole Foods. Okay. And we called some of our friends who were managing stores and we said, where can we launch this? And they said, you either have to go to Lincoln Park or to Schaumburg. It's two biggest okay. stores in the Midwest region. So we went to the Schaumburg store and we just made friends with the buyer, got him to fill out the paperwork, got on the shelf, and we sold out of one store for how long? A year? Well, that was back, yeah, we have a six-year-old now. So she was a baby when we got on the shelf. And we, no, we sold out. We started, so that was back in the day when you could go door to door at Whole Foods. Right, that was gonna be my question. Yeah. So is that is that like a process? Like it, you would- That was a huge process. So they process. say, yeah. we just attended the local summit in uh, August. That yeah. must feel September. good now. Yeah, right. 
we don't that, totally need it anymore. That but. seems tedious, though, yeah. to have to really go to one Whole Foods. And it, it sounds like at that point, if that was the, the process, you really had to have, know someone. Well, back in the day, you had to, to, those buyers are so busy because, right. I mean, they have 20,000 SKUs, maybe more on the shelf that they're trying to manage and order. And you have to get them to take time out of their day to fill out paperwork for you. Sure. So to, to get them to do that is is huge. And then you have to go store to store. Michelle took our daughter, who was a tiny baby at the time. This was the winter yeah. when it was like 40 degrees below zero Not and bad. took her door to door selling. Yeah, she was like two months old, like a month <laughs> old, two months old. It was crazy. I just bundled her up. It was like negative 45 wind chill and we would go store to store. I mean, maybe that was some of the element too. It's like, oh, there's this lady with her baby and this <laughs> it's product. A sale. Yeah, I'm like, yeah. yeah, right. Please try it out of the bag. And the buyers would taste Zen Sweet out of the bag and it tasted so much like sugar that they were like, all right, I'll take it. So um, store by store by store, we built I think we went out probably to, to a, about 20. No, 1 to 15. 11. And then we had to start working within the system. Then it gets a little more complicated. And it okay. wasn't until yeah. last year when we got full regional distribution. And then they picked up our baking mixes um, late last year. And so Good for you they, guys. they've been doing really well. And it's, it's a process, but it's worth it. We love working with Whole Foods. And yeah, it's expanded out ever since. I can already tell you will never take no for an answer. It, it's, and the hard work of actually taking, it, it's, it's fun to watch. And we've had a lot of entrepreneurs on that have taken businesses from zero to, to success. And it's always fun to watch the entrepreneurs who went through all these steps in the growing pains and really, really bootstrap themselves to get to where you guys are at now. It, it's very, very cool story. I'm interested in trying some. Can we try some? Yes. What am I, I trying? Try. So this is the vanilla bean. I'm going to try all of it. <laughs> yeah, okay, good. This is the vanilla bean cake. Okay. And, and that one, is, do we have? Yeah, it's, yep. this, it's, it's the, the pink, pink one. You can tell them what's so special that's pink. on top of it, Michelle. I know. I was like even hesitant to talk about it, okay? All our listeners, you are now by here keeping this secret. Okay. okay. <laughs> this is a verbal non-disclosure to all listeners. Um, no, I'm in the works of creating a frosting. So I'm really excited about that. Very cool. So we brought it so you guys could test it. This is a good test, though. It looks a little melty. It's very warm in here. The studio yeah, got it is, very it is, hot. It got also. hot. Yeah. yeah. We want to get nitty gritty about food R&D here, man. Like, yeah. look at that vanilla frosting. <laughs> I'm ready to have it before so it, uh, it melts completely. So I'm going to... This is a new kind of shortening. Sustainable palm shortening I'm working with here. And I'm like, hmm... So we have oh, vanilla frosting that. and we have chocolate. Vanilla chocolate. bean, yeah. Vanilla bean. So it super literally clean. has vanilla bean in it and super delicious Dutch cocoa powder. In I'm going to try it all. And then the cookies are over there too. I'm try the cookies. Yeah, chocolate chip cookies and snickerdoodle. I'm in for all of it. John, you, you can have it some? all. Oh, heck yeah. <laughs> I have, since I had shoulder surgery, I can't really Oh, we can help well, you. I, I know. might have to get a little push. Are you going to eat one? For everybody listening, I'm good. Give I'm going to watch him eat one. I hope the, the camera really, zooms like in on it. Well, he will. So he can't. All of her space. He will he probably do that to um, me. John is known to play some pranks with a my false camera. review. Are you a snickerdoodle or a cinnamon person? I'll try both. Okay, this is snickerdoodle. Snickerdoodle yeah. and cinnamon. And we oh. also have a brownie mix that it's been selling so crazy this um, holiday baking season that um, we have run That's out. I have to go to my co-packer and get some more. So that is the only one you're not trying, but it is phenomenal. Yes, the brownie is my favorite. First of all, I love that this is healthy because normally... For those of you who are listening and not watching, I have two cupcakes and two cookies in front of me. Normally, if I had two cupcakes <laughs> and a cookie, and two cookies in front of me, this would be a very unhealthy endeavor, but these are all healthy. So I'm going to try some. I'm going to grab my Juice RX to sip on that. 
So holiday season, is that kind of a very busy season for you guys? Does that dial way up? Yeah, so baking season technically starts from just around uh, Halloween okay. and runs through the new year. So we so it hits through Thanksgiving, um, Christmas, and the other holidays. And then in the new year, everyone wants to get healthy again. So then it extends right. through January, and then you hit Valentine's Day. Then you'd be surprised, Day. right. Valentine's, oh, Valentine's Day. It's again. So and they're then, only healthy for a month. Yeah, that's right. And then it's... Like Easter, Easter or spring, so. So really, we could push it all the way through April. So good. <laughs> yeah, I was like, I'm gonna try it because I don't know. It's so good. It's still about me on the, my frosting, but I'm very, I'm a perfectionist. So. I don't know. I've given the frosting approval. Our kids have given it. The oh approval, yeah. But Michelle, yeah. that's Michelle won't stop She's there. A she'll, she'll keep going. I need at less it. than sweet in it. <laughs> see, I love really sweet. Okay. So this is. I'm awesome. always. I know. See, I'm. That's the line. It's like. It's, it's like challenging you. what you like versus what you think everyone will like. So if somebody's obviously making it home, they can they can just play with the amount of Zen Sweet they're putting in there, right? right? So they can. I'm I'm the she type of person that would put a lot of Zen Sweet in. So we say so it is cup for cup. It measures cup for cup to okay. sugar, but we do say to people, you know, we are over sweetened in this country, especially. Yeah, mm-hmm. for sure. So start with half the amount and taste it. You know, right. it's good when you're baking and cooking to taste what you're doing. Right. Um, you know, then add in a little bit more. But if you just want to go for it. <laughs> Sorry, I feel so bad. I would just go for it. No, no it's so good and gooey. Melty. There's nothing wrong with frosting mm-hmm. running down the side of a cupcake. No, this is awesome. Or the side this of my face. <laughs> oh, it's so good. CHP, fr- you, you for sure have my... entrepreneurial show. You have my seal of approval for the frosting. It's so delicious. Well, mm-hmm. thanks. That's good. Mm-hmm. See, Michelle, you got we, it. Yeah, I'm getting there. It takes time to make it really perfect, you know? It's like... Yeah, time is hard when you're a small business. Right, and, and so, you have a family. And yeah. we have a family, which uh, I, we give people anxiety when we tell them about our lives a lot of time. Um, <laughs> we just, <laughs> we we have a lot going most, on. Most and it's, <laughs> I think Michelle and I have really, for the first time this year, like really impressed ourselves to the fact that we have really hit a few marks this year that we've been looking forward to since we started the company. And it is not easy, especially because... A lot of our friends who are entrepreneurs that own companies, they are either younger or married without kids. They live in the city, and they've kind of got it all together from how Michelle and I see it. They're, they're able just to go to all the trade shows. They could jump on a plane. They can go to all the meetings in the city, go on buying meetings. And Michelle and I have to They can to plan- go hang out at the bar yeah. and talk <laughs> about their business. And, oh, I just met that investor. And then he introduced me to this other investor. And they can just, you know, 100%. really get in there. We have to plan everything out so calculated with the kids and schedule-wise. Um, but it's good. It, it helps kind of like build the character of our company. Our kids kind of give us a lot of influence and definitely humor. I mean, our kids right. are hilarious. And they say things and influence our company in a way that we really wouldn't get if we didn't have kids and do what we're doing. Honest. They're honest. They they're, are. They're very honest. I have been trying to make a protein cookie for three mo- two, two months, months yeah. three months. And usually I'm like pretty quick with this stuff. And my kids are just like, this is terrible. <laughs> but have they had protein shakes before? Because that's a relative yeah, discussion for me. Yeah, it's tough. Well, like a, one of our like our daughter goes to dance at right after school. And we're like, what would be a great snack to give her on the go like a protein cookie would be awesome you know it's yummy and it has a protein they're not buying it yet so it's a process i'm guessing i will end up loving the protein cookie. <laughs> it's a process. speaking of cookies the chocolate this is chocolate chip right yeah. yeah also delicious thank you and then this one is the snicker bar the, that's my personal favorite the yeah. snickerdoodle yeah. Perfect so michelle for what oh, so good 
What is it you don't like about the frosting? I think it's fantastic. Oh, okay. Well, yeah. good. I feel like it's a, a bit melty. I mean, I wonder what the temperature is. Well, it's is, hot in here. We're probably it is hot. Yeah. Yeah. 80 degrees All right the lights now. and such. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you like it to hold up, you know, because you want to satisfy like those hardcore bakers that are like going to pipe it on a wedding cake. Yeah. Right. You also want to satisfy the little kid who's just going to smear it all over and not care. Like me. Or the that will do the same thing. But there's so many like, and you can't, this is the other thing too. It's like you can never please every single customer, yeah, right? Of course. So that's a challenge, but you want to try and please as many as you can. In the food business, I feel like the complainers, and there's just generally speaking people that love to complain, they will always run to complain. And we've had restaurateurs yeah. on, who have to deal with like Yelp reviews of some jerk who just had like part of one part of a great meal that was crappy and they run to Yelp and they write a crappy review. So yeah. you can't always make those people happy. <laughs> Honestly, it's really good. Well, I like how I see you eating mostly the frosting. I am eating a lot. Well, see, this one I ate good. a lot of that. And that is why I am so passionate about making a frosting because I swear everybody just eats the frosting. They never I eat the frosting. cupcake, especially kids. When you take them to parties, it's like they're shoveling spoonfuls of frosting in their mouth, and it's like, yeah, it that could be healthy. Doesn't but. taste healthy, so it's great that it's actually healthy. That's always been kind of the the tough part about having health foods. Is again, it's finding that balance of it yeah. tastes really good. This tastes like a really good cupcake that shouldn't be healthy for you. Well, thanks. That is and what I we strive. That is truly <laughs> mission accomplished. That's truly what we strive for. We're like, if it doesn't taste good, what's the point? Right. Because right. there are so many new products. It's like every week there's a new natural product that's, you know, low carb or no sugar or high protein. Or I mean, the list goes on with, you know, meat, meat protein bars and sweet. But it's like, it's insane. But most of them taste terrible. Yeah, and so. I mean, listen, if you want to go get something healthy that tastes terrible, there, like you said, there's a lot of options out there. Right. You can basically grab anything <laughs> off, of a, <laughs> off of a GNC. A natural and, food store shelf. Yeah, yeah. then right. you're fine. But if you want healthy and tasty, that's really hard to find. So, And we're big proponents of eating that. salad and real like whole foods. And a lot of people will come up to us and say, well, desserts aren't healthy. And we'll say, well, they're healthier than what you're eating. But go eat a salad if you really want to be healthy. And people get into arguments about us that saying we should put vegetables into our food and we don't, we're not looking to chop up broccoli or cauliflower right. and put it into our products at yeah, this time. Still eat your broccoli, <laughs> eat your kale, but you know, if you want a healthier option for dessert, it's nutrient dense. Yeah, you, you didn't could say, eat this for breakfast. Yeah, instead. you didn't say this is your breakfast, lunch, and dinner yeah, plan for the right. rest of your life. Right. You know better than to make any claims towards people at this point. Yeah. Well, I was on your website. You have a 30 day meal plan too, right? Yeah. Tell me about that. So that came out of, okay, so after my second child was born, I had all these weird health things that came up. And I knew I was like, I had already changed my diet a lot, hence all of this. I was gluten-free. I didn't eat very much sugar. But at that point, I was like, okay, I am going paleo. Like, I need to do the low carb. This was kind of, I think, when keto was starting to pick up, but it wasn't super popular yet. Um, and that's how that meal plan kind of came to be because I was like, I have a new baby. I want to change my diet. I'm super overwhelmed. So I was like, okay, I'm going to go to the grocery store once a week. I'm going to have like a shopping day. Here's my week for shopping, you know, and the next day I'm going to try and cook and I'm going to cook like as many meals as I can for that week. And so that was kind of how that came to be, um, trying to help people just kickstart mm -hmm. that type of eating, especially with the new year coming. I mean, for me, even I'm like 
all right, the New Year's coming. I got some goals, you know. It's great that so. you have a passion for all of it. I mean, I can mm -hmm. tell you definitely have a passion for all of it. And you have a passion for being healthy, obviously a passion for cooking, and obviously a passion for business as well. You just touched on something, though. Are you a big time blocker? You said Monday I'll do this, Tuesday uh, I'll do that. Are you, know, you big on Not time as block? much as Corey. Really? Corey I'm right? pretty yeah. chill with that kind of stuff. I, you have to be. Like, yeah. as an entrepreneur, well, and that's like one of the things. It's like how do we keep it together and don't completely – like fall apart as an entrepreneur, right? And for some people, it is blocking. It's being like Monday, Tuesday, or whatever. But for me, I have to just surrender and be like, okay, I absolutely have to get this done today. These other things would be nice. If I can't, don't be so hard on myself. Yeah. Push it to you know the next day. But Corey's a big time. I, I make lists. Yeah. Like my calendar on my phone, I live by my calendar. Like Everything me. goes in there. I can't go to bed at night unless I have my calendar set for the next day. <laughs> Because I have too much stuff going on. Mm -hmm. And I could sit down and look at it, move things to later in the day, tomorrow. That's literally how I function because I would go absolutely insane if I didn't have everything written out. You're like me. I'm not a very organized person, but before I go to sleep, I John's laughing over there. <laughs> but I, my calendar is, I have to live off yeah. my calendar. It has to give me reminders. Because otherwise, otherwise you would think of everything all at once. Right. You know, And you have to be able to parse things out as you move through the day. Um, Michelle and I were talking about this earlier today that you really have to give yourself breaks as, as an entrepreneur because we literally work seven days a week. Even when we go on vacation, we just call it a trip because mm -hmm. juggling the kids and work while we're on vacation, there's no stopping. As founders, you know, we could delegate. We were just able to bring on our first few hires this year which was super exciting, but still we're scary in, too. it's scary yes. yeah. and we're in control though. So it's like, we always are working and we try and do our best and do family time and put the phones away, but it's nonstop, right? Well, I think you guys really did hit the nail on the head. It is harder with a family. I look at myself, <laughs> I, I don't have kids. So for me, I do have a little more flexibility to just be able to up and move or go meet somebody or do things or qu quite honestly in the morning, have two hours to myself where I'm sure you don't have those two hours. Yeah, man, Saturday mornings and Sunday mornings. I remember what those were like before children. What's now time to it's yourself? Like, <laughs> right, you don't have that. 6 a.m., one's bouncing on you. Wake up, wake up, come play with me. So, yeah, I mean, it's a challenge. In hindsight, if it was a perfect world, I would have done all this in my 20s. But, you know, early 20s, mid 20s, but we didn't. So you learn and think you're still doing great. Yeah, you learn and you go. And I, I don't know. I think there's a reason. There's a reason for all of it, right? So, ever, of course, there's a reason. And I think you guys have, your passion has led you to where you're at and it's going to take you to the moon. I, I'm curious because Amazon is obviously the big thing now. Everybody uses Amazon. If you haven't used Amazon, you're definitely not living in the US. Every, everybody's using it now. Um, I have an Amazon box practically every day in front of my home. And I'm guessing most people do too. How did the transition to Amazon happen and how does that even work? So if you got a product, how do you get it to Amazon? And um, obviously has it made sense for you guys? Sure. That was an interesting trajectory as well. Again, a learning process. We started doing it ourselves in the very beginning. And then we basically found that we couldn't make money. We were either breaking even or losing money because it's so expensive to work through the prime pricing model and the warehousing and all of the fees involved with shipping and Amazon and everything. So then we said, okay, we need someone else to do this for us because clearly we don't totally know what we're doing, right? So then we found like a small scale reseller. reseller. Um, and that person was okay. 
I mean, they definitely helped us like launch our products on Amazon. We got off the ground, but there were a lot of things missing. We weren't really doing marketing um, in the right ways and delegating ad money in the right ways. So, but that person was really a blessing because it gave us traction to be seen by some of the bigger resale players on Amazon. So then we we launched on with our current reseller, and that's just been like really awesome for us. That's great. Um, and if you can go to them, if you're an entrepreneur and you've got a product to sell um, on Amazon, I would definitely look up PharmaPax. They've okay. been great. And I think they're willing to work. Like they're moving into more like working with emerging brands. They have like a new um, sector of their business where they're trying to grow that out. And they definitely like help emerging brands allocate money the best way. I mean, they've been doing it for years. Um, so they've got it dialed dialed in for sure and that's helped us we're like uh amazon's choice for monk fruit sweetener yeah two of our products are have the amazon, amazon choice, choice for flag. baking very mixes. cool yeah. yeah which is pretty awesome that, that's a big thing for me now on amazon if i see the amazon you choice, just go for that one, right? i'm going for that yeah. one right away so that's huge yeah yeah and honestly um you when you were talking about the yelp reviews it's so funny because you can never escape reviews it doesn't right. matter what industry you're in you're either going to get reviewed on yelp or on your website or on on amazon and so everything on Amazon is reviews, right? You go by star ratings. If that, right, if one exactly. product has a thousand five star reviews, you're going to buy that over the three star. Hundred percent. And so our resellers helped us get good reviews, verified ones. But then you have one person who, they they have some mystery problem. They don't reach out. Right. Instead, they go to Amazon <laughs> and give you one star and just bash you. And there's nothing you could do about it. And right. you just want to reach out and. Strangle them. Hug, no, hug this person and just say, why yeah, right. Why did you do I, this? I, I'm thinking I want strangle. strangle. Yeah. Real tight hug. Yeah, right, really real tight hug. <laughs> and you can never escape it. It's just like we are living and dying by reviews. And so you'll never please any everyone, right? right. You just got to do the best you can do. Yep. And and <laughs> Amazon Which is a really is tough market. Which is sad that you live and die by reviews because Corey is very attached to the reviews where I'm just like, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> Screw them. Like, I'm going to keep doing what I'm doing because I'm doing something good. You know, every product that I think I've ever bought or used on Amazon, you have one or two jerks or a hundred or 300 right. jerks that just have something stupid to say. But I just chalk that up as those people, they're complaining about everything. In it's life. good that you know that. Yeah. Are you a reviewer? Do you go no. on and review? So I actually review, I've written one bad review my whole life and it was a really crappy restaurant experience. <laughs> And how they treated somebody who was in a wheelchair, like that—that okay. that to me, like that designates was a bad so right. bad. Right. And it was, and, and I gave them a chance to make it right before I wrote the review, and they just didn't. But I'll go and review um, friends and businesses that I've worked with in a good way, and I feel like you, for all the good reviews you have, you probably had a thousand times that in good experiences where people didn't go just put a review down because almost everybody who has a good experience is like, okay, I'm not going to go say anything bad yeah, about this There's no company. review for that. My review is reordering constantly from yeah. them. You there know? You go. So um, I'm not a big reviewer. But owning businesses, if I see a bad review, it drives me insane. And a lot of times it's unfounded. I'm like, come on. Yeah, I think Michelle and I, because we own a business and we've seen this, when there's a problem with a product, we go to the company exactly, and we write an email right? because that's like kind of the right thing to do. Yeah, and see <laughs> if they make it right. But we do get people that do that, honestly. We do oh, have yeah. some people that sure. send us emails like, oh, my Zen suite turned into a giant clump. Okay, well, where do you live, Florida? Did you close right. the bag? No. Okay, well, it's very humid there, you know, <laughs> right. but I'll send you, another, I'll send you a new bag. No problem. And you want a baking mix? Okay, no problem. But that's like the kind of business we are because 
that's how I would want to be treated. Right. You know? There's always outliers that are going to leave but we love those bad people, reviews. I love connecting Yes, they push the you to be better, right? Yeah. yeah. They so. seem to care when they reach out. And I did that before the bad review. I reached out to management there. I told my story and I waited. I waited to hear back. Nobody cared to call back. And I was like, okay. Yeah. Well, that, right. that gives you kind of the right then to leave a bad yeah. review. Yeah. But I reached out as a business owner. I said, hey, listen, this is what happened. You should fix this problem. This was really rude and awful. And they never did. Like, I'll never send food back. First of all, I'm terrified about sending food back because I don't know what happens back in the kitchen. <laughs> so I'm not a food sender backer. I will just eat the food. Michelle will pick her plate up and walk into the kitchen. <laughs> and, like, and she has done yep. that You can tell with my frosting <laughs> thing, guys. Yeah. I know. I'm like, She is so comfortable in a restaurant. Yeah, yeah, she will walk back there and say, where's the chef? And, and make sure that her food comes out. I've worked in a lot of restaurants. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, if I need ketchup, I just go grab my ketchup. My kid dropped the fork on the floor. I just go get another fork, which you probably, probably makes me a weird customer. You could probably also tell him what he's done wrong. I'll Maybe, just be yeah, like, eh, I'm not going to send it back. I'm just going <laughs> to keep eating it yeah. as long as it's not awful. Right. So uh, next steps for you guys. What are you guys planning on doing growth-wise? Those are really hard decisions to make. Yeah. Uh, I mean, once you have products off the ground and going, you look at competition. You look at where the market trends are going. But you don't want to be, what does uh, Mike, our sales guy, say? You don't want to be a me too. Right. You, you don't want to do what everyone else is saying. Say. And look, look, me too. I have mm -hmm. it too. Buy ours. So you have to be really careful about what you're putting out there. Zen Suite um, stepped kind of forward like we were talking about. It was new. It took a lot of education. It took a lot of years. We don't want that to happen again. We kind of want to build out our brand. So Michelle's developing the frosting. We have a chocolate recipe already developed. Um, you know, I think we're looking to build out the baking essentials aisle so that you can go and get all these really good tasting sugar-free goods to bake with and cook with and kind of be like a one-stop shop in the baking essentials aisle. Good, good for both of you. I'm going to show them the snickerdoodle too, because that was really good. By the way, nobody can really see this, but basic, <laughs> and I'm about to finish my cookies. I finished two <laughs> cupcakes. I finished uh, two cupcakes and two uh, cookies. Already. Me too. Um, good John, stuff. I'll show this one too. This was really good, the snickerdoodle. Well, I'm glad really you liked it. Because see, I am not a cinnamon person, but. I'm not either. I, I, but I really like that. That yeah. product came out because I pushed for it. I said, we have to have a snickerdoodle yeah. cookie. Whole Foods, it. Midwest, alert, alert, pick up snickerdoodle cookie if you're listening, because that was the one skew they didn't put on the shelf. Really? But it's yeah, also Gabe, our it's on, one buddy. of our top sellers <laughs> elsewhere. So, so like yeah. on Amazon, it's a big seller? Yeah. yeah, people love it. It's interesting. I'm just, I'm not a, I'm a chocolate person, so I'm going to have to drop brownies off or send them to you because the brownies are like um, to best. us. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, to you guys. Those are well, the best. Well, don't leave them out in the studio that's 140 degrees in here because yeah. right, they'll right. melt. But No, they, know, I, they'll probably be nice away. and gooey when you get here. It'll be perfect. Yeah. So you guys are um, obviously in the Midwest. How does that reach out of the Midwest work too? Yeah, so actually when you were talking about growth, it's something really that's been very um, unique to our business, like being bootstrapped and putting every extra penny we have into this, we have to be profitable. We've never had a year where we couldn't at least break even or make a little bit of profit because Corey actually still works two part-time jobs, which is freaking crazy. It is wow. crazy. It's part of the anxiety attack on a daily yeah, basis. Yeah, and probably why he appreciates the compartmentalization, right? The Monday, yeah. Tuesday, Wednesday, because if he doesn't make his calendar to go to sleep at night, it's just like, whoa, like so much stuff, right? Going on in his head. Um, but we've been able to grow by being at least break even or profitable because we haven't pulled salaries. We haven't really pulled 
from the business is one thing. And another thing, we've kind of pivoted outside of what the traditional path would be. So people that typically, you know, make a natural food product, they think I'm going to sell to Whole Foods, brick and mortar, right? right. Um, we're actually going to be in Woodman's soon, which is pretty cool. Very if you guys cool. shop at Woodman's. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I'm trying to think of anybody else on the retail register right away. But they don't always think about some alternative ways. Like maybe I'll only sell on my website. Like we have friends that make um, a vegan keto creamer Mm -hmm. and they just ramp up their own web sales. And to them, that's profitable, you know? And then maybe you just sell on Amazon or maybe you sell to discount grocery, which a lot of people discount, discount grocery, right? But that is really how we've been able to um, bankroll this business. Um, TJ Maxx, Marshalls, Home Goods, Burlington actually just came on, and uh, Cost Plus. So that has been phenomenal for us. Um, they pay in 30 days or less, which traditional grocery does not do. Interesting. They, um, you may take a slight margin, like decrease, but there's no marketing, there's no advertising. I mean, you could do your own social media, sure. like promotion always helps, right? But um, there's no like in-house necessary advertising that you have to do with some of the other big natural food retailers and so um it's just pure profit it's crazy how much ground you guys have covered yeah and that has like really been able to we've been able to contract sales and social this year based on that and like what's coming in so it's crazy how much ground you both covered from when you started to now really just being the two of you and Corey. that's kudos to you and that's very it's it's incredible that you work two part-time jobs, and the two of you together have got the company to this point because of reinvesting in the business itself. But you don't sleep, I'm guessing. You're yeah, like a... <laughs> luckily, they're, they're remote jobs. My okay. other passion in life is technology. Okay. Um, so I'm very fortunate I could do the jobs whenever I want, when I want, how I get them done. But yeah, I am on my computer all the time. Michelle has to give me mandatory breaks. <laughs> she sees yeah, my eyes bugging out. It's 9 o'clock at night, okay? Just put the computer down. You know, can wait till tomorrow. The hamster wheel up there probably spins nonstop. Yeah. You're probably just go, 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 go thinking. Yeah, it's a little insane. Um, So you really need to cut out breaks for yourself. It doesn't matter if you're just working in your business because, like I said, you won't stop unless you make yourself stop. And when you stop, you'll realize things are okay. Things were fine for those past two hours when I, like, went for a walk or did something. The world didn't collapse. And constantly I'm thinking the world's going to collapse if I miss this. I'm going to miss a truck. I'm going to miss routing this. Um, so it's it's really hard. I, I always ask this of everybody that comes on because it's, it's always nice to know what do you guys do outside of working your butts off. So what do you do? What do you do to take time off and just... More work. Ha- more work. More yeah. work, <laughs> Different work, no. Reading about other work. Um, it's really awesome and easy to put things away and play with the kids yeah. because they... They could put you in a space that is kind of like meditative, right? If you're if you put your phone and computer away and you just sit down with their toys, build a train, build Legos, and just get into their space and color with them, that's great. I think that is the best thing that Michelle and I could do for ourselves. Uh, and then the kids see that we still realize that they're there too. They're still alive. <laughs> <laughs> but taking the dog for a walk, getting outside, exercising. Yeah, the, the... dog walking has been huge for Corey. I feel like this past, yeah. we're eventually hoping to phase out of so many parts. Corey, so many part-time jobs. It's like a goal in 2020, 2021. But we obviously, this is like our baby too. So whatever we have to do to make this successful, we're going to do that first, you know? But walking the dog, man, you come back like a new person. Yeah, it's like a walking meditation for me. Yeah. 
it always was for me too. So um, one of our past guests and a friend of the show, Lawrence Dunning and I, we lived in the same building and around midnight, him and I would go on these one hour dog walks. We would just take our dogs out and nobody else was out. I lived in Streeterville, let the dogs run. We'd play with the dogs and just relax. I'd come back home. It was almost like it's 1 a.m. and now I'm like refreshed. I'm like, I feel good. I should work more. I'm like, yeah, but I gotta go to sleep. <laughs> but I always felt like the dog walk was such mm -hmm. a reset button for me. Yeah. And, yeah, and the dog likes to see nature. that she has attention with the kids too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah now now is down the attention pole. <laughs> right, right. I know it's so sad. Yeah, yeah. it's sad. But I, I like that too. Like getting out in nature. We used to live in Northern California, so we were right on the coast with the mountains and the ocean. I miss that a lot. Hopefully one day we'll be able to get back there a little bit more. But um, yeah, just getting fresh air and getting out in nature is like so important. Yeah, I won't give your addresses away, obviously, but you guys live in the northwest <laughs> suburbs near lakes and stuff. Yes, so that's we good. do. That's what. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So you know. Get out there, see what the fox ate last night, what's left in our yard, walk around. Do you guys so, get a lot of coyotes? Yeah, coyotes and fox. And so. I recently got a ring doorbell. And uh, if you have a ring doorbell, it's it's video operated, but you're in this like ring uh, community group. So now I'm obsessed with it because I'll look at everybody else's. You, you can know, see you what can they post see. It. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they can, you can't see what they see unless they post it. But And I'm in Northbrook. Virtually every day there's about 10 coyote sightings wow. and these people are posting these coyotes just kind of running around and playing in their backyards my yard's fence and i recently lost my dog but my dog was 130 pounds so i was always comfortable leaving him out but i think everybody who's got little dogs now has to be pretty cautious in the suburbs because there's coyotes everywhere yeah, yeah. in our community else. it's the foxes okay and they leave severed rabbit heads for us in our yard and <laughs> I, yeah. I suppose we the never know what we're gonna find well. yeah. the kids are all what is that and we're like the circle of life yeah <laughs> that's it just rewatch the lion king okay guys <laughs> I, I wonder if they're not coyotes up near you too because my sister oh, they're they for they're sure there. are i mean last winter we saw coyotes like walking across the lake which is like a stone's throw Frozen. from our front door we're like whoa like stay over there my dad lives in Wilmette, and they're just, he's literally on the lake. And last winter, the lake is frozen over, and there was a coyote just walking down, yeah. lake, literally Lake Michigan, just wow. taking a walk up Lake Michigan. I'm like, what's it, it by itself, not yeah. in a pack. What's just it taking, doing? Taking a little walk up Nothing the lake. to worry about, he's just out for a stroll. Yeah, looking for whatever rabbits <laughs> it can yeah, find. Do you guys have a small dog or a big Squirrel. dog? She's like mid-sized, mid she's adorable. Yeah, yeah, 35 pounds, so it's just enough. She actually went out into the yard and she was nose to nose with the largest possum I've ever seen. He came and back and said the possum was this big. And yeah. I'm like, are you sure it was a possum? Uh, 100% sure. I think sure. the story might have grown a little. I think they're it. friends and she doesn't want us to know, but I scared the possum away and um, there was no confrontation there. Because they can Corey be- Corey saved the day. Yeah. They can be rough. Yeah, absolutely. And I ha we have tons of possums in Northbrook, but fun fact, they eat ticks. So if you have oh. tons of possums, my sister who's a vet says, oh, possums are actually I not love bad. love that. So they'll eat, if you have tons of possums, they eat the ticks, and then your dogs don't end up with, with tick the tick issues. Or your kids. As often, or your kids. Yeah, or yourself. Yeah. Or yourself. <laughs> I've, uh, I'm a so big proponent of Lyme awareness. Wheelhouse like is doing fun. My other side, nature. side gig, yeah. Nature and gig. science, wheelhouse. Science. Right. But <laughs> possums do get pretty big. But they play possum when they're. But scared. I mean, right. this big, oh, yeah. like yeah. that big. Really? He's like, uh, when he goes fishing, does he come back and he's yeah. like, I caught a bass yeah. that was this big. Oh, I forgot to take a picture of that one. <laughs> yeah, <have> to trust <laughs> me. <laughs> um, well, it's been a blast having you guys on air, and I want to be respectful of your time. We always ask this, and you've given us so many entrepreneur business uh, pieces of advice. So you may have already covered all of it, but I'll ask you both. I'll start with you. 
Give us one piece of advice for an entrepreneur, or two pieces of advice that you think doesn't have to be in your space, somebody who's trying to be an entrepreneur, or somebody who might be struggling, could use to benefit them. Sure, okay, so, hmm. oh man, that's tough. Like You've the given one so many golden, the one golden answer, which I wish I could give one golden answer for myself and everybody. There's not necessarily one golden thing. I was thinking coming here, there's a big difference between an entrepreneur and a business person, right? A business person like does it and gets it done, but an entrepreneur is like really connected to what other people are doing. They're willing to share sales contacts, help people out. They're bringing it up from the ground up, maybe from nothing. I mean, it's kind of crazy, the things an entrepreneur will do. So there's such a difference between those two types of personalities, right? And so like, if you're a true entrepreneur, I think it's probably in your blood to just keep going. Like that is really challenging and it's been really challenging for us and everyone, I think, in their own way, because everyone has challenges, right? Right. I mean, it's just different. It's just a different shade of gray. But um, I think the one thing that has really led us from zero to success is to keep going. Even if you have to take a step back for a little bit, but to know like what your passion, recheck in, check in with your passion and your mission and like, why am I really doing this? Does it still feel good to me? Okay, take a breather, maybe take a step back, and then think of the next right thing you can do. I absolutely love that. I, I had never heard the entrepreneur business owner put like that. Totally agree. And I can tell, I mean, obviously, hearing the story and hearing what you guys started with and um, the growing pains you went through, the name changes you went through to what you have now, I can tell. You've just kind of kept on moving forward. And every business and every entrepreneur has failures. I mean, it, it, no business has ever become successful without a whole lot of failures, but the only ones that actually make it long enough to become a success are the ones that keep pushing through the failures. So, love that. I will. I went to you second, which doesn't make it easy any <laughs> easier for I, you. Yeah, so if you took that your up, stuff, no, it kind of goes hand in hand with what Michelle and I were saying. And, and to Michelle's part, the failures are the best uh, learning lessons that you can really have because you have to turn a failure into a strength. Um, but I would say no matter what industry you're in, food, tech, um, you really have to seek an advisor or a mentor that has done it before, that has been there. Um, it, it's weird kind of approaching people at trade shows or approaching business owners and asking for help. But most really good entrepreneurs want to share their experiences. They want to help somebody else that might look like they were in their shoes earlier. And you can learn so much and gain connections and maybe pass on a few of those mistakes that would have cost you greatly along the way. Um, we've been extremely fortunate with the mentors and advisors that we've had and still have. Um, and, you know, even people that are so successful still have mentors even above them. Right. So it's, you really need to seek those people. And yeah. yeah you it's like yeah. entrepreneurs unite, you know, like if we all help each other out, we're all going to get so much further. That's truly been like a big part of our success is just other mentors and entrepreneurs being like, all right, here's this person's contact. I can help you here. I can help you. This is who I use for boxes. I mean, like random stuff, you know? So we try and do that too. We, I mean, you hit literally the nail on the head of why John and I wanted to do this. It, it was, we kept thinking most good entrepreneurs have a lot of givers gain in them. They want to help somebody else out. And the path to success for most things is out there. I mean, you guys are creating ingredients and um, you're, you're, you're creating these things literally in your kitchen. So you're innovating. But the path to general success in business is out there. 
and you can go and reach out to people who will be helpful to at least help you avoid some pitfalls. And we found that in the last, I mean, this is episode 78 or nine, John, we're almost 80. Um, wow. The entrepreneurs we've had on have been so giving of their information, advice, failures, that A, we wanted to learn from it, but that was the underlying lesson of Wheelhouse was, entrepreneurs can help one another out. Let's just hear everybody's story. And, and it's been fun to hear it, and obviously fun to be able to pitch really cool products like this. Mm -hmm. But uh, I think you hit the nail on the head. Uh, I think entrepreneurs, sometimes business owners get a bad rap. You know, business owners are, make, are trying to make a ton of money and people don't realize how little money you make for a long period of time and how hard you have to work and two extra jobs just to be able to have a business. But sometimes people think uh, business owners are very close to their chest with their information. But we found, um, talking to business owners, that most of them are really, really good about helping other entrepreneurs out. So, and I appreciate you guys being so open with it. I don't wanna mess this up, because I've forgot to let John ask questions in the past. John, dun, dun. you got anything? <laughs> I do, I do, actually. I want John to ask his questions, too, so I goof it up all the I time. I get I'm to like, sit here I'm and like, listen. I'm like, oh, so we're done, and then John's notes. like, wait, I got some questions, right, right. too. Uh, so, you touched, both of you touched a little bit on social media and strategy, and you brought somebody on, I believe, uh, this year to really kind of spearhead that. What is the actual, or is there something you can talk about as far as strategy with social media? Is it one particular outlet or how to go, what are you doing? Social is hard. It, um, that in itself could be a full-time job. Mm -hmm. um, and Michelle and I used to be pretty decent at it. it we would put it into the daily juggle and then it slipped as things got busier in a good way, right? Mm -hmm. Michelle and I wear all the hats. It's really hard to wear all the hats all the time, especially as you grow. And so we were fortunate enough to bring on a CMO at this stage, um, someone that is really good with social to kind of grab the reins, bring on a photographer, clean up the image. And that's kind of where we're at right now, right? Do you want and I think every business as they grow from either like mom and pop or small <laughs> scale to kind of playing with the big boys, there is a point at which you like, need to tighten up that image, mm. right? Your pictures, sure. what your messages and all that. And so we're kind of in that phase right now. Um, but I think there's a lot of like low cost ways to do it. Like um, college kids, interns mm. are great. Like, sure. I mean, I'm in my later 30s. Like, I don't know. I, I am came out when I was in college, like AOL. It's like right. I barely can handle like <laughs> any sort of technology, <laughs> let alone social media. So to me, to have like a fresh 20 some like 20 year old that's in college has extra time, like that's a great low cost way yeah. to, you know, get the right hashtags, get the right following, um, get the uh, organic, mm -hmm. that organic sure. following. So that's, I feel like that's really important. But just like, being kind of new and different and giving people, like just trying to have an edge, you know, like we do recipes and try to make them a little different. And I, mm -hmm. there's so much out there now too that that's really interesting is to like still offer value add sure. to your social. But um, Instagram's huge, I feel like. Well, you Instagram, don't, yeah. video on Instagram is like where it's at right now. And uh, I don't know. Stories, like, food. Yeah, it changes stories. so fast. Yeah, John and I keep, keep messing around Tweaking. with social media too. Yep. And, uh, I do it with the real estate office. We do it with Wheelhouse. And it's constantly evolving. Like LinkedIn is really big. We had a gr uh, guy on on the tech side of things. You might you might already follow him, Corey Warfield. Um, he's a friend of the show. And mm -hmm. he's got like 77,000 followers on LinkedIn. 
and you know, we, we had a discussion about, you know, how it's hard to go viral on Instagram, but when you do, it's great. But LinkedIn's kind of this mm. untapped into network right now. And he's got to 77,000 followers there. So they allow him to go LinkedIn live, which most people can't do. And it's just like social media is constantly yeah. Like, what's his name who's been helping us out? Yeah, we're actually starting to expand a little bit on LinkedIn as well because our sales guy is, like, really big on LinkedIn. Mm -hmm. I mean, he just hammers the pavement. It's crazy to be like, yeah, we know the same contacts. Sure, they might be 10 million people removed, but, you know, I'm going to pitch (laughs) you. And, um, Yeah. yeah, there are some LinkedIn Live people that have been, like, getting our products and trying to put them on. So I think LinkedIn is like this hidden kind of gem as well. And it's changing. So if you look at LinkedIn now, it looks almost like a social media site. It has a homepage and John's really active on LinkedIn and he he Mm -hmm. was poking me to do it more. Mm -hmm. And then John was poking me to do it. Corey was poking me to do it. And it's something I'm doing a lot more Mm -hmm. myself on the business side now because it's almost prime for the taking, like Corey said. He said, you know, Instagram, Facebook, you have to be on them and it's growing and you got to do it, especially when you have a a food-based business. But he said, don't forget about LinkedIn. But that's recent. It's changing. Mm-hmm. So so you do need a fresh, fresh take mind, on it. Fresh mind, yeah. And I'm in my late 30s too now, which makes me sad. I know. But it's, Sometimes. Yeah, but, you know. somebody in their early 20s is going to have not just the, the time, it, energy, right? and they're constantly on Instagram. So. Yeah, and you can't try and do all the social media sites. You really have to pick one or two that you could really nail that's down. Another, yeah. Because we tried to do all of them at first, and unless you are just an influencer, right. you can't do it. And like I live on LinkedIn, Michelle does more of the Instagram stuff. And now that we brought someone on, I mean, I met you John, through, through, uh, through LinkedIn. LinkedIn. Yeah. yeah. And then, uh, um, someone who wrote founders magazine that we're working with, I think as well. So LinkedIn is, has just been a really good professional site. Mm-hmm. And then you could really put your personality out there with something else like Pinterest or Instagram. Right. But yeah. Yeah. I was going to say to um, influencers, influencers is so key. Like if you can grassroots link, that's been like a real element of our success as well. So just messaging, you know, people that you look up to or might be in your wheelhouse. Boom. <laughs> that's why John came up with the name and John yeah. came up with it, not me. I was like, I'm terrible at I names. Do I get a prize? Because I, yeah. no. You win but, a cookie. Yeah. I would have said like wheel of tall or entrepreneur tall. Uh, that would have yeah. been my name. He that came up with the wheelhouse. That was me six years ago. Man. Uh, I get it. That's <laughs> um, no, but if you find people in your wheelhouse that, you know, are really vibing with your motto your mission your product whatever message them and just say hey i'm doing this thing would you be interested and oh i mean i you know for every hundred i send out i might get like 20 10 20 which that's i feel bad. like that's not a bad ratio right no, so, not at all so i send them free product and sure. they make a story they make a post or whatever and i mean um the woman in new zealand uh low carb ditch the carbs ditch the carbs wrote us up it was crazy ditch the carbs made a post on us and we had like how many hits and followers in like, yeah, and I was just like, hey, you know, I'm Michelle, I do this thing, I want some product. And she was like, this stuff is awesome. I really like that. Nice. Like, So how many followers, when you're doing that strategy wise, how many followers do you usually look for before you're like, oh, this makes sense. Well, so that. before I would say anybody, anybody, whoever yeah. wants me, 500 followers, 1,000 yeah. followers, great. But now I would say if you can to get the most like bang for your effort, I would say try and go for the 40,000. Plus. Like plus. Okay. And even then, it's it's an interesting game. It's like, 
they're not necessarily all organic mm. um, followers or even though they have 40,000 there, maybe they have like a stronger presence on their blog or their Facebook right. page or something. So just try and connect in like a broad sense. Like I always say, hey, will you do um, a picture, not a story, an actual post on Instagram? Would you be interested in doing a blog post? And then sure. maybe like a Facebook feed. Host a giveaway. Thing. Yeah, yeah, host a, a giveaway, those, yeah. something like that. And then the more you can like embed them in, you know, what you're doing, your products, your mission, obviously right. the more. Cool. Push through that. Yeah, that's really cool. And I, I always wonder, like, what is that followership number that makes sense for people to really start kind of to mm-hmm. reach out? We had um, a past guest on who was saying the same thing. I think she said fifty or sixty thousand starts to get traction, yeah. and a hundred thousand they have. And I think it also depends on, like, my followers on my personal page are some are cars, some are business people. So I'm spread in a lot of different weird spots mm-hmm. but if you get somebody who's like in the fitness world or in the cooking world or you know has something very specific to you 40,000 might be real impactful yeah and that's 40, why I hate to even that. say 40,000 all the time because like it could be 10,000 right but they're like super loyal. specific right. and so it's like don't always discount on the number but I would say in general yeah okay 30 40. cool Any other you actually I, I looked uh this morning when I was doing the Instagram post about you guys being on and I looked at the people on Instagram following you guys and threw some of them in a comment. Um, you got some really influential people following you, opposed to, in return, perhaps. But really, like whole what was it? Whole thirty, whole thirty recipes, and it, just things like that. Where it's so pinpoint with what you're doing. I was really impressed. I was like, wow, they they really have got some killer people following. You did a good them, job so. tagging them. You're trying to get them to follow <laughs> Thank us. Thank you. Good. Well, well and done, a, Josh. a lot you of know. that too is like at night. I'll just be like, okay. I feel like I gotta reach out to more influencers. And it's a lot of like the founder or the owner just putting yourself out there, trying to make friends with people and not even like having, um, you know, a requirement or anything. It's just like, hey, this way is what I'm doing. Like if we align, like I really like your page or I really like your pictures or I like your mission. That's what I would do. I'd just be like, you know. I really love your strive to just reach out to people like that. From the beginning when you were reaching out about recipes and what was working in different mixes, to even now still continuing to do that, hey, I'm just gonna reach out to these folks and see if they're they're gonna have that givers gain mindset and work with mm-hmm. us. And and I think that is such an important learning tool to just, you miss a, every shot you don't take. You know, that's yeah. the, I don't know if that was Michael Jordan or Wayne Gretzky or some, Both. one Sounds of them like said one it. Of them. But really you miss every shot you don't take and you're taking every shot you can. Sure. Yeah, and awesome. You have to be genuine about it too. Right. I think like, I mean, we all have received blanket emails yeah. where you could just tell they filled in your company name on there and it's just like. Dear your name. On LinkedIn. Or they accidentally yeah, did LinkedIn, it and the and other like, person before come on, you guys have to try Joe? a little <laughs> harder. So if you're genuine and you're like, hey, I'm on the keto diet, I make these products. We, you literally don't have to post about us. We just want to give you our products. They can tell that you're genuine. Yeah. And even going after those micro influencers, even sub 10,000, if you get 10 of them, maybe in like the seven to 8,000 range, it can make a huge difference for you. Right. And mm-hmm. so we're trying to really build that back up now, which is why we brought some people on to help us with it um, because we're more in the sales operations, R&D development stage and social is hard. I, I hate that term micro-influencer because he, he teases me about it because I'm at that like seven to 8,000 range. He goes, you're just That's micro. He's like, you're micro like you're, That's yourself. That's a lot, He's like, you're just a micro Especially guy. Especially locally. Like people, I feel like at that number, sometimes they're very like niche. And so if you have like a local thing going, no, it's, you're a macro in that locale. It's, it's, first of all, I, I went viral with one stupid 
Jason Momoa post that was the meme that was you versus the guy she told you not to worry about when Aquaman came out. So I I hounded That's all it's gonna take? it. And I got like a thousand <laughs> likes on it and it got reshared a lot. So I got a bunch of random followers. And then the car stuff. It was like, in my business, I don't wanna keep posting car stuff because then you kind of look like an idiot. Um, I love cars, I race cars. So from time to time when I'm hashtagging the car stuff, I get like a giant car following. But it's not, it's, it's not like a loyal based following to like one thing. I, I have a lot of random yeah. strange followers. Like I had a guy who followed me who was a politician in Brazil. Like after I did the Jason Momoa Aquaman posts, I've done like four of them. I have a big Brazilian following. <laughs> it's like it's strange. You're huge in Brazil. He's got a check. Great. He's got a check no, mark, and he's like it, a random things Brazilian like that influencer. And I'm like, who is this guy? So, um, Diabetiendo. What yeah. country is she from? Oh, Portugal. Yeah, I like sent samples. Her parents come to the U.S. every once in a while. She's like, could you give them for a product for me? And she's a huge influencer out there. This That's is why awesome. we need to get international on Amazon. Get Whole Foods Portugal. But she's like type one diabetic, and you know, did her blood sugar before and after the products. And I mean, it's like on our stories. It's cool. It's like. Very the same cool. or lower. So uh, she's been awesome. And um, yeah, but totally random. Yeah, you know? very cool. Portugal. And based on what you said, anyone listening in Canada, you can get our products on Amazon right. Canada. Oh, cool. Yeah, oh, so yes. we have gone international with Amazon. And I, I was telling John, John, you can ask your questions. And here I go like a jerk asking questions. But and I'm trying to be respectful of your time. You got everybody okay with I, your time? I'm just trying to figure how we got your Aquaman out of me asking them about their social media See, strategy. Just kept, I told you this is going to be one How many times has Aquaman come up? <laughs> Not that often, actually. A lot uh, in here. Maggie. <laughs> I think he told the truth. Maggie said, I have to tell you for someone who follows uh, WW, your brownies are two points amazing. I just opened... This in a Chicago WW group. Oh, Weight Watchers. Weight Watchers. Yeah. Oh, awesome. Oh, thank you. Oh, thanks. So. Oh, oh my gosh. Cool. Write us on oh, the thing so I can connect with you and send you samples of everything, and then you can send me the Weight Watchers points. Well, it's my Maggie girlfriend. Maggie is so his girlfriend. Me. Oh, yay. Okay, because people ask me that, and I'm like, I yeah. don't know. I'm sorry. No, yeah. We'll, well. I'll send you a big care package. Maggie will. Oh, yay. Okay. Nice. Thank you. And then you'll get to taste the brownies because those are my favorite. Yeah, this is awesome. I took your questions again. I'm going to let you ask no, questions. No, no, no. That's fine. Uh, one of them actually just got, well, sort of answered. Um, in a sense, overseas. Yeah. Uh, I, I was, if you weren't going to ask anything yeah. else, right. I was going to ask how that works with Amazon. Uh, how does that work? So it gets far more expensive. Uh, international shipping is completely absurd unless you're shipping electronics. Because mm. if you're shipping a food product, like Zen Sweet weighs a pound, uh, international, it costs us, I don't know, $60 to ship maybe six to 12 products to New Zealand, Australia, Portugal. It's very expensive. You can't do it with food unless you're working with a company that's shipping volume. Mm. So our Amazon reseller is international. I think they're in seven different countries. So they've started testing us in Canada. But for them to even start shipping overseas and doing the fulfillment is extremely expensive. And we actually made our first sale to the Middle East a mm. few months ago. And that was with a company that just does all exports. So they handle all the customs, all the paperwork. It's easy. You know, they, they just you negotiate a price, they buy it, they ship it, and they track it. Um, so it's been good, but it's taken a long time for us to find these exporters that are willing to work with us because our... Um, we've scaled enough where we can meet we can meet them in the middle somewhere because they have huge costs on their end too. So if you have a high cost, uh, high dollar price product, 
you can ship it international all you want sure. and you'll retain your margin. Food is very tough. Interesting. Yeah, it's such a low margin. But there are, um, like the Small Business Development Center, there are um, organizations to link with to do more of that importing. I mean, there'll be whole lists of like what other countries want to import and they'll help facilitate that. It's just tricky in the natural product realm. But sure. I mean, it works for tons of other businesses, services, all sorts of things. Good, good question, John. And one other uh, big box, like Costco mm-hmm. or Sam's Club, is that a whole, like a whole different animal, or how does that work? Because you, you did Whole Foods, you're in with Amazon, but is that just something completely different? Yeah, in a way it is. Um, so, <laughs> well, it's like a whole conversation for another yeah. podcast. <laughs> hey, oh. we've got time. Okay, where do I start? So, um, with the natural retailers or like um, brick and mortar stores, right, that are maybe 50 stores to 2,000. Maybe when they get up into the 2,000 level, they have their own distribution. But below that, you know, 50 stores to 1,000 stores, you have to go through a distributor. You can't just like, I mean, maybe Whole Foods back in the day, you could deliver it to the store. But now they want it to go through a natural food distributor. That cuts into your margin, right? Mm -hmm. And then the store wants their take. And so it's like down, down, down. And then you got to market. But typically with the bigger box stores like Costco or Sam's Club, um, there isn't necessarily a distributor in between. So when you see those lower prices on the shelf, it's because oh. that 20, 25% that you're usually seeing eaten up by that distributor is then going to the customer, which that's why I'm like a huge proponent of um, discount grocery, like the TJ Maxx, Marshalls, Home Goods thing, the Costco, the Woodman's, um, those kind of not, you know, alternative type sure. grocery food outlets. But to because sum Because the customer yeah. gets the savings and it's like, People want to eat healthy, but when you have a premium product and it's expensive to make, it's like, how can you get it there without... But Costco will take volume, but they will squeeze you on your margin. Yeah. Oh, so does Home Goods. My gosh, Corey says they go to hostage negotiation camp. It's like their training camp or whatever. It's like insane how well... I mean, they'll squeeze you down to the pennies. Pennies. Really? Yeah, it's pretty... They're very talented. And I'm a pretty... You know, I mean, you have me nailed already. I'm... I'm, (laughs) I'm presuming you're a tough negotiator. Yeah, I am. And they still even close me down a couple cents. Right? Yeah, I bet. Michelle buckled. They did. It's like, fine. I'll take the two cents off. Just buy volume, please. They're a bunch okay. of Jack Bowers there over at That's uh, right. Home Goods. <laughs> yeah. There you go. Well, thank you guys for coming on air. Uh, John, do you have that? No, John, that was any it, more man. Questions? I think you it. were done. Uh, thank you guys for coming on. Those of you watching and those of you listening, Check out Zen Suite. Uh, if you're in Whole Foods, pick it up. Check it out on Amazon. I'm, I'm being very honest. Those were incredible cupcakes, incredible yep. cookies. Yep. And I still cannot believe they're this healthy. It's, it's incredible that you're able to make a product that's good for you. Um, it's fun for kids. It's easy to create and bake. And the sweetener, for those, and we have some people watching who are uh, athletes, Use this in your protein shakes, you know, yeah. instead of artificial sweeteners that are terrible for you. Congratulations, guys! Thank uh, it, you. Awesome product, um, and a very, very cool backstory. Super cool Thanks. backstory. John, do we have anything for next week? We do. Uh, I didn't ask you before we went on air if we had yeah, a graphic. No, we're too busy to chat. We're with our working. Guests. So we have one guest that I'm very excited about. Um, and I'll put out a post, but we're working on a, a co-guest, and I don't want to make mention until that's for sure. Oh. So we're just going to hang out and leave people in mystery. 
land. Oh, cool. But <laughs> well, we will have a show next Wednesday at 3 yes. o'clock. Oh, absolutely. And, absolutely. Um, Looking forward to it, actually. She's the lady that's coming in. Uh, she is. She's really fun. funny. Very energetic. Kind of like Michelle. That's very, I'm looking forward to I was looking Thanks. forward to today, and I'm looking forward to next week as well. Like I said at the top of the show, we zipped through an hour on this one. We, we flew past an hour. And they must be really good if you can't even give their name in case they don't come. So No, we just – <laughs> He doesn't want to <laughs> put them you. on the spot. I don't want to put – right. If oh. we're not able to have the co-guest, I well, don't want to Well, then they're really busy, the and they're really good too. <laughs> That's so true. you better That's tune true. in. And if you are watching this and you want to tune into our off-market show, our own – it's a little self-promotion at the end yep. of this. Uh, it's going to be on at 7 o'clock today live as well. So check that out too. Yep. That's it for me, buddy. That is it for me as well. Uh, thank you both so much for coming in. And we will be back next week at 3 o'clock at AE Wheelhouse. We'll see you guys. 3, 2, 1. Thank you, guys. That was a blast. Yeah, thanks. That was fun. Yeah.